Thank you for joining us for this podcast of the Family Fellowship of Greenville, located in Greenville, Texas. If you'd like more information about our church, please log on to www.familyfellowship.us or email us at info at familyfellowship.us. Now here's lead pastor, Paul Blue. Good morning, everyone. If you have a Bible, I want to invite you to turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. I'll give you a disclaimer right up front. It's going to be a long time before I get there, but we'll get you, let you get a head start there. Um, isn't it awesome to have a group of college and one high school students available to be here and, and lead us in worship this morning so all of our regular people can have the week off? It's awesome to have them. They did a great job. So it's been my practice for the last few years to take the last Sunday of the year and kind of reflect back on what has happened in the life of our church, to kind of give you a report on what has happened in us and through us as a church family. And so I'm going to invite you this morning to do what the Bible says in Psalm 66, 5, where it says, come and see what our God has done, what awesome miracles he performs for his people. And as I share with you today what God has done, you will no doubt be able to say what's written in Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done amazing things for us. God has truly done some amazing things this year, and I want to share many of them with you. I'm certain that I won't share everything, but I just tried to pick out some highlights. But before I do that, I want to make sure that we are all clear that the things that I'm going to share with you this morning are not something that we brag about or try to take credit for. My intent for sharing these things with you isn't so that you will be prideful about your church. I share these things today so that we can all glorify God together for what He has done and so that we can all have the opportunity to express our gratitude to Him together. You've probably heard the saying, what if the only things we have tomorrow are the things that we will thankful for today. Well, I'd like to adapt that just a little bit to apply to our church. And and so we'll say it this way. What if the only things that God does through our church next year are the things that we were thankful for this year? See, I don't want us to just glide right past the incredible things that God has done. I want you to be made aware of those things. So I want to point out some things that God has done that I truly hope that when you hear these things that you're going to be thankful for them. In 2018, today of course is the last Sunday of 2018, but but for all of this year, 108 people who were lost in their sin committed their lives to following Jesus Christ and were saved through the ministry of your church. 108 people... Often what happens, and that is absolutely the appropriate response, often what happens is maybe you don't see it happening in front of you. And it's easy for us to to not realize what's going on. But we have so many avenues whereby people are coming to faith in Christ, whether it's in the worship service or in our kids' street or in our youth groups or at the attic. There's so so many avenues for people to come to faith in Christ. And 108 people... If, if you just were to do the simple math, two a week are coming to know Jesus Christ as their Savior through the ministry of your church. Now, everything I'm going to share with you today is valuable. 
But there is nothing more valuable than what I just shared with you. Because that's what we exist to do, is to help people find Jesus Christ as their Savior. Thirteen people this year were baptized, which is the lowest total I can think of in the last 40 years. Now, why would that be? Well, we went without a baptistry for six months of the year. And then when we got a new baptistry, a lot of people were kind of scared of it, I think. <laughs> but now you've seen how it works. We haven't lost anybody. No casualties, no injuries, nothing. So if you've been saved and you have not been baptized, now's the time. That'll be coming up soon. Besides those saved and baptized, we had 65 people join our church this year. One of the, you know, we talk a lot about these things, numbers. And I know that some people kind of get weirded out by numbers in the church. I don't get weirded out by numbers in the church. Every number matters because every number is a person. And so we talk about these things because what, we're, what we are to do is to reach people for Jesus Christ and to disciple them. And so we use these. They're not all the variables, but they're some of the variables. And so in the last five years, we have, we have seen attendance growth every year for five years straight in 2014. And when I say attendance, I'm talking about what, who we have here on Sunday morning. So in 2014, we averaged 933. In 2015, we averaged 954. In 2016, we averaged 995. In 2017, we averaged 1,047. And in 2018, we averaged 1,000. And 74. That amounts to growth of 141 in the last five years. And I am incredibly grateful for that growth. But as I told you last year, I've been asking our staff to keep in mind what it will take for us to serve and minister to 2,500 people on a weekly basis. I have, of course, no idea uh, if that will ever happen. That's all in God's hands, right? God says that he's the one that gives the increase, but we have a role in that, right? We are to plant the seed. We're to water the seed. I just don't want a situation where God gives us that level of influence and it catches us off guard. I want us to be ready for it. So the growth that we've had in the last few years was the impetus behind the auditorium remodel that we did this summer. We were able to add in this room 150 chairs, which when you multiply that times two services, increased our seating capacity by 300. Um, all the while, we also updated our, our worship technology, and we did all of that. And I've said this to you, but I just want to make sure that nobody misses it. We did all of that without borrowing any money. We knew that this was coming. We had seen the growth. We knew we were, we were getting kind of tight on space. And so we began setting money aside, and so we were able to completely pay cash for all that we did in this remodel this summer. Back in 2010, let me, let me do this real quick. How many of you, you were, you've become a part of this church... After, from, from 2011 to now, would you raise your hands? Just let me see. Okay, so that's a lot of you. Thank you. So back in 2010, we added on both to the front of this building and to the back of the building. And so if you've only been a part of our church in those, in, since then, you don't realize that the only hallway that we had outside the auditorium was just this little narrow hallway. So we had such a hard time funneling people. And some of you remember... What happened after first service in between when half the crowd's going that way and half the crowd's going that way and it was a madhouse. And so we didn't have any space uh, in the hallways and so we added that. We also did not have any adult Sunday school space. And so we added that on to the back as well. And so that was a much bigger project than what we did here. And so we actually had to, 
to, uh, to borrow some money to make that happen. That was about a $3.5 million project. You gave sacrificially to make that happen. We also borrowed a couple of million dollars from the bank. But I'm happy to report to you that every month since then, since we completed those additions, we've made three payments every month to pay back the loan, and we paid that loan off this summer. In less than eight years, we did that as well. Uh, We've also paid off, we have multiple church-owned homes that our staff live in, and so we've, all of those, we paid off one a couple of weeks back. We only have one more. I anticipate that we will pay that off before summer gets here. What that means is that summer, we will be completely debt-free. Now, while being debt-free will be awesome, that's not why we exist. We don't exist to try to be debt-free. We exist to try to help people find life in Jesus and to have it to the full. And so we're always going to be about doing whatever we must do in order to reach unsaved people for Jesus Christ and to disciple you and your family as efficiently as possible. That said, we have things that still need to be addressed even now. We need more parking. Uh, We have the same amount of parking today that we had when we were averaging 150 less people. So those of you that, that you struggle to be here early, you're the ones that know how sometimes it's difficult to find a parking place. So we need more parking. We need space in Kid Street as well, our, our children's ministry. And you know what? I would love to pay cash for those things. But if we have to borrow to do that, that's what we'll do. I don't love debt. I, I don't believe that the Bible says that having debt is a sin. It's not the wisest thing, but the Bible doesn't tell us that debt is sin. But I want us to always have the same heartbeat that the Apostle Paul had when, when he said in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, by all possible means I might save some, because that's what matters the most. This past March, Lynn and I traveled to the Philippines where we dedicated a pastor training center on Montayan Island, which our missionary, Trevor McNellis, along with our missions pastor Steve Johnson, had the vision for in which Trevor is overseeing. You as a church, through your missions giving, you partnered together to make that happen, and we also did that in partnership with Highland Terrace Baptist Church here in town. We've continued our partnership with Community Seeds through our Super Bowl of Sharing, and we also support them monthly as well to help the underserved poor in our county. We currently have five students at Baptist Bible College, two which are training for ministry, Uh, It appears that this year that you will give $280,000 to missions, and that does not include the Christmas offering, so that would be on top of that. If you remember this summer, you gave $100,000 to put Bibles into the hands of North Koreans in North Korea. We had an awesome Easter, an awesome Christmas coffee house. We had another great summer. Our connection groups are still growing to where most of them can't be called small groups anymore. Some of them are larger than other churches in our town. We still have a growing presence among college students at Texas A&M Commerce. And the Attic, which is our our youth outreach, uh, had its best year since 2013, averaging 159 teenagers every week, most of which do not go to any other church anywhere, and they come weekly and hear about Jesus. And all of that was accomplished in 2018 at a time when we were short-staffed for the third year in a row. 
So what does that mean? To me, it shows the power of committed volunteers and great staff that love Jesus and just want to serve Jesus and serve others. We've got the best people in every area of ministry serving the Lord and serving people. And you might have doubted, maybe you weren't sure at the beginning, but I think now that you can clearly say what was said in Psalm 126.3, the Lord has done amazing things for us in 2018. We have much to be thankful for. And maybe me most of all. And that brings me to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16 is one of the least studied, least used, least preached, and least taught passages in all of the Bible. This chapter seems completely out of place when compared to the context of the entire book of Romans. You see, there are 16 chapters in Romans. The first 11 chapters are a rich doctrinal manifesto about the gospel, about salvation through Christ alone. And then there are four chapters following that are about how to live life as a follower of Jesus Christ. Let me give you some highlights of the verses in the first 11 chapters that that you're going to know most of these that show uh, its importance on the gospel. In chapter 1, it says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God at work saving everyone who believes. In Romans chapter 3, the Bible tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of God's glory. In chapter 4, it says that we're counted righteous, not because of our works, but because of our faith. In chapter 5, it says that God showed us his love and that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. In chapter 6, it says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ. In chapter 7, it tells us that we have this sin struggle, but it is Jesus who frees us from sin. In chapter 10, it says, For whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. And so the first 11 chapters of the book of Romans are about the gospel of Jesus Christ, how to be saved. Then, the next four chapters are about how to live as as a Christ follower. Chapter 12 says that we're to not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Chapter 13 says that we're to submit to authorities and to love others. And chapters 14 and 15 tells us that we're to aim to live in harmony with others in our church family. And then we come to chapter 16. And I'm going to read almost the entire chapter. So if you have your Bible, I want you to follow along with me. And can I also give another disclaimer? I'm probably about to butcher some names here. Because there are a whole lot of non-English names here in Romans chapter 16, and I'm going to do my best. Romans chapter 16, verse 1. Paul says this. I commend you, or I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a deacon in the church in Kentria. Welcome her in the Lord as one who is worthy of honor among God's people. Help her in whatever she needs, for she's been helpful to many and especially to me. Give my greetings to Priscilla and Aquila, my co-workers in the ministry of Christ Jesus. In fact, they once risked their lives for me. I am thankful to them. And so are all the Gentile churches. Also, give my greetings to the church that meets in their home. Greet my dear friend Epinetus. He was the first person from the province of Asia to become a follower of Christ. Give my greetings to Mary, who has worked so hard for your benefit. Greet Andronicus and Junia, my fellow Jews who were in prison with me. They are highly respected among the apostles and became followers of Christ before I did. Greet Ampliatus, my dear friend in the Lord. Greet Urbanus, our co-worker in Christ, and my dear friend Stachys. Greet Apelles, a good man whom Christ approves. 
And give my greetings to the believers from the household of Aristobulus. Greet Herodian, my fellow Jew. Greet the Lord's people from the household of Narcissus. Give my greetings to Tryphena and Tryphosa, the Lord's workers, and to dear Persis, who has worked so hard for the Lord. Greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own, and also his dear mother, who has been a mother to me. Give my greetings to Asyncritus, Phlegon, Hermes, Patrobus, Hermas, and the brothers and sisters who meet with them. Give my greetings to Philologus, Julia, Nereus, and his sister, and to Olympus and all the believers who meet with them. Now, how in the world does that fit with all the doctrine verses in chapters 1 through 11 and how to live a life as a follower of Jesus in the other four chapters? Why is this included? And what do we do with it? See, what this passage does is it allows us to see Paul reflecting on some of the people in his life that he is thankful for. People that were a help to him personally and into his ministry. He, he kind of tips, he only says it once, but it carries the theme through the whole chapter there. In verse 4 he says, I am thankful for them. So Paul is writing here about people that he is thankful for. 26 people are named. Two are unnamed. And then there are several groups mentioned as, as well that are meeting in homes. And each of these people are, are someone who were a part of Paul's life and ministry and who sh sh helped shape his life with positive experiences and memories. So with all that said, how then does the pastor preach this passage of Scripture? Well, this morning, I'm, I'm just going to follow its example if, if you'll allow me. See, Paul gave a list of people that he was thankful for. It wasn't exhaustive. It wasn't everyone in the whole world that he was thankful for. It was just a few. It was people that meant something to his life and to his ministry. And that's what I want to do this morning. I shared with you things that we can all be thankful for that God has done in our church this year. But I want to share with you some people that I'm thankful for. And maybe there are also people that you could be thankful for as well. It's just a small list. It's five or six. And you'll, you'll see the, the, the theme of, of this group of people that I'm thankful for pretty quickly. First, I'm thankful for Steve Johnson. This next month, Steve will have served this church for 25 years. If you knew, if you had any idea what all Steve does and has done for this church and how it impacts your families you would treasure this man way more than you already do. Steve has his hands on every ministry within our church. I love Steve, and I'm thankful for his drive to see our church change lives and grow. I'm thankful for Tim Ellsworth. In March, Tim will have served this church for 24 years. Many of you don't know Tim well. Tim is involved in our, in our college ministry. He's not someone that you see on the platform hardly ever at all. Um, I think you don't realize what a team player Tim is. Tim has done everything I've ever asked of him and done it with a good heart because Tim loves our church. Tim possesses something, that, and I don't, I don't mean this to be a you know, any statement against any generation. I just want to say it in, in general. Tim possesses something that seems to be harder and harder to find in people these days. A servant's heart and a willingness to do anything and serve anywhere. 
I love Tim, and I'm thankful for his servant's heart and for his loyalty. I'm thankful for Danny Crawford. Danny has served this church now for six years. He served for three years from 2006 to 2009, and then he broke up with us. And he went somewhere else, but then he got his heart right. And he returned in 2016. Danny is the catalyst for all of our outreach events, things such as Christmas Coffee House, uh, Easter Splash Kingdom, Family Fun Night, all of those types of things. Uh, Danny brings gifts to our church that I do not possess. We, we talk about it often that, that the Holy Spirit has given all of us gifts to serve the church, but we all don't have the same gifts. There's some that I have that you don't and vice versa, and Danny possesses gifts that I don't have. And as a result, we're a better church because Danny is with us. I love Danny, and I'm thankful that he brings to us a unique love for people. I'm thankful for Jared. I'm thankful for Jared Vernoy. Uh, this July, Jared will have served our church for eight years. He began in... Go ahead. He began in children's ministry, now serves in our middle school ministry, and he's also the guy that when, when you know, part of our, our process is to, to, try to, to try to get you to find your place to serve others, and Jared is that guy. He's the one to help you find your, your giftedness, to, to take the most advantage of your talents and your abilities. And, and so he's the guy that, that has, has the, the, the greatest touch with volunteers. We are a heavy, heavy volunteer-based organization. We cannot be effective in helping people find life in Jesus and living it fully without a ton of volunteers. I love Jared, and I'm thankful for his commitment to our church and the personal growth that he's committed to as a younger man. You have to think about him for a second. Jared is, I, I don't know, he's 30-something, under 30s, and he has to work with people like Tim and Steve and Danny all he has to try to keep him young is me. And that's faux shizzle right there. I'm thankful for Kim Crawford. For the last three years, Kim has served as the director of Kid Street. She handles everything that involves our children's ministries from fifth grade all the way down to newborns. You know what that means that she has to do? That means she has to deal with some of you cranky parents that are trying to pick up your kid without your sticker. And, and you know what? You go ahead and keep trying. You with me? Because we're going to keep a secure children's ministry. We don't care how much you complain. This will be a great time for me just to, to give you a little hint. Yes, you only get one sticker. Take a picture of it with your phone. And that way, one can go pick up one kid, one can go pick up the other kid. This isn't rocket science, people, but we're going to protect your children. Your children and grandchildren that attend our church, they will spend eternity in heaven because they've received Jesus as their Savior, as whether the direct result or indirect result of what happens in Kids Street. I love Kim, and I'm thankful for her spirit and the influence that she's having on our children and on our staff. I'm thankful for someone that you guys probably don't even know this is going on, but we have a new intern. Um, my son Parker is serving an internship with us from now until August, and 
we have struggled in our youth ministry to find the right staff person. We've basically gone without a youth pastor now for three years. And Parker's training for ministry at Baptist Bible College. And at Thanksgiving, I asked him if he would consider coming home and providing some leadership in our youth ministry. And I don't mind telling you that I, that I told him, I said, but I, I need you to understand where I'm coming from. I said, I'm asking you this as your pastor. Because as the pastor of our church, I love our, our youth. I love our youth ministry. It has struggled, and I think you could help. And as your pastor, I want you to pray about doing this. But as your dad, I don't want you to do this. As your dad, I want you to stay in college. I want you to, to keep doing what you're doing. And I said, so now I'm giving you that. Now you, you go deal with it, right? And uh, he prayed about it for a couple of weeks, and, and he said, yeah, Dad, I, uh, yeah, Pastor. Uh, I'll, I'll do that. And so he's going to be here, and he's going to serve uh, through next August. And while this will be a great experience for him, uh, and it will give, again, our youth group a presence and some needed leadership, it comes at a cost to him. He's forfeiting a semester of the college experience and dorm life and all that that involves. He had a great job on campus and he was getting to, to travel in, in the, the worship bands at the school almost every weekend, at least twice a month. And he's having to give all of that up to come and do this. And uh, I'm thankful that he was willing to put our church and our teenagers above himself. I'm a blessed man. I love our church. I love our staff. And I love our volunteers. And I have so much respect for all of you that make this ministry happen. You know, look, I, I know how this works. I think we all kind of do. If, if the church seems to be doing well, people generally tend to give the pastor credit. But we all know that, number one, the glory goes to God, and the credit goes to the people that serve in the trenches every week. And I am so thankful for you our church is blessed because of you we cannot have a church we cannot reach people for jesus in greenville or india or the philippines or wherever without people who are committed to the ministry whether that means serving or whether that means giving and so to all of you who partner with us in those areas to help people live fully for jesus i just want you to know today how deeply thankful and grateful I am for you. We all have reasons as we look back in this past year to be thankful in a lot of areas. And I think one of the, one of the areas that we tend to forget about is the areas of where God has blessed our church family, us. God has done some amazing things for us, and he's given us some amazing people. And today is about us taking a moment and acknowledging it, not just to one another, but acknowledging it before the Lord as well, that he can be brought glory and that we can learn to be thankful. So this is what I want to do. I want to ask every head to be bowed and every eye to be closed. And I just want to give you 60, 90 seconds for just you to just just pray 
and just thank the Lord. Some of you, you've got very personal things to be thankful for. Your children or your grandchildren were saved this year. They came to faith in Jesus Christ. Or maybe a, maybe a wayward child, God has delivered them out of rebellion or, or out of some substance abuse. Or, or maybe you've seen in your marriage God do some incredible things and in healing some hurt. There's a lot of things. Maybe it's health issues that God has stepped in and, and, and he's been very present. And you know and you're aware, whatever it is, I want you just to take a few seconds in prayer. And I want us just to pour out our hearts in thankfulness to God this morning. So would you take a moment and do that right now? Would you stand with me? Let's pray. Heavenly Father. We come before you this morning with hearts full of gratitude. Father, we are so grateful to have been a very, very small part of 108 people who were lost in their sin but came to faith in Jesus Christ this year through our church. Thank you, Lord, that we're able to see you do that type of work in people's lives. You are still a miracle-working God raising dead to life. Father, I just ask that we would not go days without being thankful for your goodness. Being thankful for those that serve us in our church, those incredible volunteers, those that, that get here early and stand at a door and greet us with a smile and shake her hand. Those that serve holding a baby in the nursery. Those that stand before a class opening the scripture, telling them about Christ's love. Father, you have been so good to us. It can truly be said that you've done amazing things for us. We acknowledge it today, Lord, to express our gratitude, but most of all, to point to you, for all the glory goes to you. You're a good God and a loving God. Thank you for your grace and your mercy towards us. May we honor you with our lives. 2019. God, give us, if it would be your will, allow us to see more people come to faith in Jesus next year than we did this year. To see more people discipled. To see more people who have been out of church back in church. God, use us to love people and appoint them to you. And ask all this in Jesus' name.